we call it getting hit by a bus plan. So if I, God forbid, were hit by a bus, somebody else could step in. Not that they are necessarily going to do it the same way as me or to the same extent as me, but it's not going to fall off the tracks. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. And today, my guest is Julia Becker-Collins. Julia, how are you? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. We got a chance to talk a little beforehand, too, but I want to read your bio first so somebody knows who you are. So Julia Becker-Collins is Chief Operating Officer at Vision Advertising, which is a women-owned marketing agency located in Massachusetts. And she has a long history of working with nonprofits and co-founded the Metro West Women's Network. Recently returning from medical leave due to thyroid cancer, Julia has quickly plunged back into business while continuing treatment and shares lessons learned from her obstacles. And outside of her work, she's an avid marathoner, trail runner, and tackles obstacle races such as ultras and Spartans, not letting her recovery or the lack of traditional races this year slow her down. That's right. No slowing down. (laughs) That is an accurate description of me. Yes, I uh, move at about 100,000 miles per hour. (laughs) So I tend to uh, talk a million miles an hour and think a million miles an hour, but I don't move too quick. (laughs) (laughs) But so I wanted to talk today about crisis management. And I obviously from your bio, you know a bit about crisis management, but we'll get to that in a second. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do at Vision Advertising first? Absolutely. So Vision Advertising is a full service marketing agency, like you said. I like to say that if it smells like marketing, we do it. And that really means that we do everything from full service, social media management, uh, photography, video, um, holistic management of a client's um, marketing. They hire us to take over all of the marketing rather than hiring somebody internally to their company. We do web development, content development, web hosting, security, SEO, white paper development, blog writing. We do training for staff of our clients when they need help with elevator pitches, or better ways of talking to their sales teams. We do consulting for CEOs and C-suite executives on how to better hire and work with their staff. We do a lot of work around people management because we really believe that marketing is just one leg of a stool that helps a company be successful. And we want to make sure that the foundation of a company is really successful and we can help that company do really well overall. So we want to make sure that their operations are in order, that their finances are in order, that they understand internally how to talk to each other, that they internally know how to hire, et cetera, that their house is in order, if you will, before we really, you know, kick that marketing into overdrive, because what you don't want to have happen is for the marketing to be so successful that the company can't keep up with it. So we really do that full service marketing Um, nationwide across the United States. uh, We are based outside of Boston and we also have an office in Portland, Oregon and an office in Florida. You know, talking about those those things you were just mentioning, I, I would say one of the least asked but most important questions 
when you're hiring anyone in the marketing or sales world is what is your capacity, right? No one asks this. If somebody doesn't ask you this question when you're hiring a marketing person, you do not have the right person. Right. I really agree. Either, either number one, they don't think they're going to get you enough business that it'll matter. Or number two, they're guessing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You want somebody who can say what's your capacity and then appropriately manage the marketing, right? You don't want to explode out of the gate and then have your business get crushed uh, by the oncoming responses or waste all the marketing dollars you just spent. Absolutely. One of the big questions I ask early on in the sales process, early on in the business relationship, early on, if we're pivoting a client plan is, you know, what are your goals? And I really want and I stress a client to put numbers to things. For example, I want to grow 200% over the next 18 months because hard numbers are our friend when we make goals and when we set decisions. I'm really a big fan of objective truth over subjective truth. And when we look at those goals, do you have the capacity to meet those goals? And really, like you said, what I mean is, so if the market Marketing is so successful and your sales team is so successful that you bring in all that new business. Can you fulfill all of that new business? And oftentimes the answer is no. So what do we do to set you up for success so that you can meet all of that demand before we hit go on the marketing that will make you that successful? Because you don't want the plan to fail because operations isn't in order rather than marketing not being in order. Yeah. If you don't have good capacity planning, then you're going to end up in a crisis. Exactly. Exactly. And then we're going to talk about crisis management. That was a good segue. <laughs> You're like a like a like a TV host, <laughs> night talk show or something. You know that I could get it like a sidekick. You know, like the person who sits on the couch next to you on the show and laughs at all your jokes. I need one of those people. I think that's always helpful. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about crisis management. What are maybe a couple of the types of uh, crises that you see that companies have? that, you know, you can help avoid? Absolutely. So I've seen kind of all the different crises that a company, whether it's a B2B or a B2C company, I have seen PR scandals. I have seen internal kind of implosions where a whole department leaves. I have seen, as you mentioned earlier at Vision Advertising, I had a personal health crisis last year, and that's the leader of the company needing to take medical leave and that's something that's difficult to plan for. I have seen, you know, an external force, whether it's the pandemic or something like a hurricane or another act of, you know, nature that, you know, impacts the company so greatly. In Massachusetts, a couple of years ago, there was a very unfortunate event where there was a gas line that exploded in northern Massachusetts that really impacted one of our companies and obviously impacted a lot of families as well. So when we talk about crisis management, we're not talking about planning for something that you just couldn't even imagine, right? I didn't imagine I was going to get cancer. But what you can plan for is the unexpected. How do you put contingencies in place that allow you to better act when the unexpected occurs? You don't know, obviously, that a gas line is going to explode, but you are able to take the crisis management plan and put it into action without thinking about it because you already crafted it. Absolutely. And, you know, I think 
everybody has a little bit of crisis management experience now, you know, after after what's happened with COVID and everything. But there are all different types of of crises that companies can run into. Like I like the PR kind of emergency is one that people seldom think about, but happens quite often. And the example I always like to use for this is there was a daytime soap opera where the main character was killed because they left their crock pot plugged in overnight and it burned their house down. And the company that made the crock pot, their sales went in the toilet overnight. Oh, my goodness. And they had no idea this was going to happen on the TV show. But they had a crisis management and communications team in place that communicated that, number one, crockpots don't do that. But secondly, just to make sure they were safe, they were adding an automatic timed remote shutoff switch into all their crockpots before they shipped them. And so then their sales recovered and everything kind of went back to normal. And they actually improved their brand because they were able to use that to go on TV and say, well, we've done this to fix this problem to ensure that that would never happen. And then they get all this free media coverage and stuff like that. So they were actually able to turn it into a positive. Well, exactly. And that's what I try to stress to my clients and to my staff is that crisis management, while it's incredibly tricky and you really need to be strategic about it, it's just like anything else in marketing and operations and leadership. It's, you know, thinking about how you can take a problem or a mistake and turn it into an opportunity. One of the things I always stress to my staff is that, you know, everybody makes mistakes. It happens in all areas of industry and all business, right? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Lots of people make mistakes, but it's how you deal with that mistake that really is what matters most. And in the best way, what can happen is that you take a mistake or a problem and you turn it into an opportunity. So for in your example, you, you know, work at this crock pot company and you have this problem that you had no idea was coming, sort of like whether it's an act of nature or, you know, an external force that is <laughs> causing problems to your sales, like a soap opera. And how do you turn that into an opportunity and a PR moment rather than, you know, the decline of your company overall, because you sit there and say, well, it wasn't our fault. So what are we supposed to do about it? Right. So what are the steps you can take to protect yourself against kind of staffing related crises like, you know, a department leaving or somebody going on medical leave, that kind of thing? So one of the big things, especially at a smaller company, is you want to make sure that you don't have anybody that is kind of the sole owner of any kind of institutional knowledge or is the sole owner of whatever they do. It's cross training, right? And I listen, we're a small company. We're under 10 people. So I get it you know, investing the time in cross training and investing the time to make sure that, you know, more than one person on your team knows how to do literally everything at the company is a huge time sink. But it is hugely important because if you're a small company or you're a mid-sized company and you have a whole department leave, suddenly you have that institutional knowledge gone and you have that task force gone. So, you know, to speak to your question about how do you plan for that as much as possible, right? You hope it never happens. But the best thing you can do is to make sure you are cross-training as much as possible. So in Vision Advertising's case, what we do internally is 
when, you know, when a new client comes on board or when we bring on a new product or service, when we start working through a new problem, when we onboard a new area of something that we're working on, we assign a direct point person, but then we always assign a backup. And so because we're smaller, we're not assigning, you know, three backups, but we always have that cross functionality. We call it getting hit by a bus plan. So if I, God forbid, were hit by a bus, somebody else could step in. Not that they are necessarily going to do it the same way as me or to the same extent as me, but it's not going to fall off the tracks. Right. So if I were to lose three people on my team because I don't know, they all moved to Mars tomorrow. That would be devastating, but other people on the team would be able to at least pick up the pieces and move things forward and we could put it together. They wouldn't take the passwords with them. They wouldn't take the knowledge with them. The other thing you want to make sure you're doing is you're not giving people all of that knowledge that they hold internally. So what do I mean by that? Like one person has all of your social media passwords. You want to make sure that those are in a vault somewhere. You don't want things associated with people's personal accounts. We have a client right now that we're working with that is dealing with a lot of difficulty because before they started working with us, they had somebody on their team that held all of the responsibility for their social media accounts. And it was all linked to her personal social media accounts. And when she left and it was not amicable, she took it all with her and she won't give anything back. And because nothing was in writing, they can't get it back. It is very messy. And so now we are trying to get everything back and we're trying to place it all in a vault and set it up appropriately so that we don't own it. They own it. We have access through Facebook Business Manager. The passwords are in a password vault. It's all set up appropriately in a, as a business rather than, you know, your 15 year old intern has access to it and because they understand Facebook. They can just deal with it. And I don't want to deal with it. I'm a big fan of delegating, but you shouldn't be delegating the security of your business. Probably also shouldn't be delegating the the message of your business to your 15-year-old intern. Oh, yeah. I do entire webinars and have written large articles about why you shouldn't hire teenagers. <laughs> like, don't hire your son to run your social media account. And why is that a bad idea? But, you know, that's a topic for a different day. <laughs> You know, the, it's interesting that, you know, people say, well, this person knows how to use this technology, so I'm going to trust them with both using the technology and the messaging, except you should control the messaging and they should control the technology if they're the one who knows how to use it, right? Those are two separate things, people. Don't let your, you know, your nephew Abdul is may know TikTok, but that doesn't mean that they know how to speak for your brand. Right. I think what happens oftentimes is people don't think about, well, A, they don't think about their brand at all in any way, shape or form. And then they also don't think about how their brand is perceived publicly on social media, that talking about your brand on a business page on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you know, what have you, is that public persona of the brand of the company. They just see it as like, well, we're supposed to do this. So somebody needs to do it. So can my cousin Joe do it? It just needs to happen. Somebody told me it needs to happen. Whatever, go do it. They don't realize that it's an asset. 
and they don't manage it as an asset and they don't invest in it as an asset. And there's lots of ways to invest in it as an asset that doesn't involve hiring a $100,000 person. You just need to invest in it. Yeah. And I think, you know, the idea of a, of a password vault, 100%, you should have a password vault, everyone. And there's lots of different technologies to do it. And the idea behind a password vault is that when you give a login to the password vault to an employee, they don't see the password. It just logs in on their behalf. So then your employee doesn't have to know any of the passwords and they can still get into what they need to get into. But they also don't know the passwords so that when they leave, you don't necessarily have to change all your passwords again. You should, but... Right. And to speak to your point, you know, on the other side of that, you should also have procedures in place so that the second an employee leaves, whether it's by choice, the end of an internship, they're fired, whatever the reason be, you should have something that's triggered automatically and a point person that changes all the passwords. Yeah, you should have an offboarding process, just like you have an onboarding process. Right. There should be a checklist. This doesn't need to be rocket science, right? It could be on a Word document. It's just a checklist that you always go through. There's somebody on your team that's always responsible for it. We have somebody on our team that's responsible for it. The second that somebody leaves, we go through the checklist, including changing every single password, putting everything in our you know cloud and reassigning it, taking them off of everything. There's a whole process. And that person's responsibilities, who does the offboarding, there is backup for that, right? This is another way to ensure that should there be a crisis with the staff, it is not as impactful. Another thing is some of your resources, you may want to consider having a physical location that has kind of an emergency login. So like AWS services, Amazon Web Services, you can have like a an emergency login that is basically a username and a password and has some other stuff that goes along with it that they would need to do. But you can put that in a physical location, like a vault or a secure deposit box or something, you know, so if your server administrator dies, you can still log into the server again. God forbid this stuff happens, but we deal with this all the time, right? Oh, yeah. It hasn't been that long since we had somebody whose company had a person who did manage their website and all of their internal IT and help desk at their company. And the person died in a car accident and their phone was destroyed in the accident. And their phone was the two factor authentication to everything for their entire company. So getting that process unraveled took about four months to get everything done. That's a lot of money to pay someone like me to fix all your stuff because you don't have a backup. No, I mean, a hundred percent. We had a client that unfortunately their bookkeeper died unexpectedly. And so none of their bills were being paid and they didn't know how to log in. They didn't know what bills were coming because all the bills were going to her house and she worked remotely. It was very messy and we were, we weren't getting paid. That's how we found out about it. And so they didn't know how to pay us. They could not access their own bank account. Yeah, that's bad. It's very bad. And so when we talk about crisis management, These are things that lots of business owners, and when I say lots of business owners, I mean huge companies to small in like one person companies, people are not thinking about. And they really just spend an afternoon. This is not a huge time sink, but an afternoon and just be like, okay, what can I set up to ensure that if God forbid, the very important people at my company got hit by a bus, 
that the company could 80% continue. That's really what you need to set up. There's a backup for the backup for the money, the logins, the finances, the, you know, payroll, the, like, there needs to be that. Yeah. And that stuff should, you should have someone that you trust that has the kind of access to speak on your behalf if you're not there. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's what we had to set up when I went on medical leave and we had some of it in place, but it also forced us to be like, okay, here is what this person owns. Here is what this person owns. Here is what this person owns. And that's it. And then something's not going to get done. Yeah. I've also been told that that person should not be your spouse or partner because it's too likely that you could get injured or in an accident together. Right. So you want somebody who definitely isn't directly connected to you or even in the same region. It's nice if you can get somebody who lives in a geographically different place in case there's a natural disaster. Or you can have a third party, right? So a lot of our clients has have us doing client, uh, crisis management for them. So we're a partner, we're a vendor, we have a great relationship with them, but we are we do not internally work for them. So we can not only have that external view, we can look at it with a different set of eyes. We can look at it with, you know, these are the things you haven't considered, but we are not physically in the same location. We are not dealing necessarily with the same amount of stress they are dealing with. To speak to the point I made earlier about one of our clients being impacted by those gas explosions, we do not live near there. And we're able to kind of take a step back from all of it and say, okay, you know, here's the landscape we are looking at. Here's what the news is saying. Here are the other people that live in that location that are being impacted. How can our client, our partner help? What are the messages we should be putting out on their behalf? How can we support our client? How can we support the other people in the area? And what is not as important right now? Because when you are in the middle of a crisis, you cannot make good logical decisions. You're pretty much making emotional decisions. You need somebody else to be doing that for you. And that's why creating a crisis management plan is so important so that you don't have to think. It's already in place for you so that you can just go through the list and you don't have to rely on trying to find that logical part of your brain when you are most likely in an emotional place. That's just not fair to yourself. You know, another thing that that we found really helpful, and this came back from when I used to work at a data center, you know, 20 years ago, is to have, and, and nowadays it's pretty easy because you can get a membership to something like a WeWork or some kind of co-working space that has more than one location. And then you've got a hot desk waiting, you know, hot meaning it has it has internet or internet and phone. So that if you live in Louisiana after the hurricane and the they have no power for a million people. You could go to another facility outside of that area and still go and still do your work and and still be effective. Exactly. If you had one last tip for people for crisis management, what would that be? If I had one last tip for people for crisis management, it would be, hmm, I mean, I really, I think to uh, not only spend that afternoon blocking out time to create that plan, but to bring somebody else into your logic so that they understand why you did what you did, the decisions that you made, and who has access to what. Because, you know, God forbid you are the one that got hit by the bus. God forbid the C-suite goes on medical leave. Somebody else needs to know what's happening. Somebody else needs to know 
where to find the crisis management plan. So for us at Vision Advertising, that's somebody on my team who runs the West Coast office. I bring him into those decisions. He's not C-suite, but he needs to know what's going on. And you need to trust people. You know, the biggest piece of advice I can give is that you need to figure out who on your team you can trust with these kinds of decisions that is not necessarily as high up because you need somebody else to be involved in this. True. I think that's 100% true. You want to have somebody you can trust and somebody who can kind of pick up the torch and carry it in case you're incapacitated at some point. And uh, document all your things, people. When we worked in data centers and, and when I used to work in support, but way back in the 90s, we had ticketing systems and you wrote down notes about every communication you had with every person who called in. Julia, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Absolutely. So you can find us online, vision-advertising.com. That has a full list of our upcoming free webinars, along with our recorded past webinars, including crisis management webinars. You can also find us on Facebook. You can also find us on Instagram, which I really recommend because there's a lot of free resources, both on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, we are at Vision Advertising Rocks because we do. We are also on Twitter and LinkedIn. And you can find me personally on Instagram at Julia Rifka. That is J-U-L-I-A, R as in Rachel, I-V as in Victor, K-A. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Julia. Thank you for having me. This was fantastic. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.